Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. But then, as we started down the road of our life with the Lord Jesus, and we saw how wonderful he is. We saw how compassionate he is. Compassionate. We saw how caring he is and how much he takes care of us and he's with us. And when we did that, when we did saw all that, then we loved him. We got to love him. Just like the servant who saw his master develop this deep love for his master. Just like Ruth who saw Naomi and developed this deep love for Naomi. As we went on with the Lord Jesus, we developed this deep love for him. And there came this time in our life, this moment at the front door for the servant, this moment before Naomi for Ruth. And we came to the point, at that point in our Christian life, where we said, I want to dedicate my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want my life to be like it's never been in the past. The Galatians 2.20 experience happened to us later in our Christian life, not at the beginning, later as we loved him, and we could say, I am crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a statement of love. I love the Lord Jesus Christ so much that I want a new life to be Philippians 1.21, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. I love him so much, I want him to take total control of my life. I want him to obey him in every way so that others see Christ in me. And that's the moment when we were at the front door with that servant and we turned around and said, no, I won't go out free. I won't serve any other master. Christ only shall be my master. And that's the point when we put our ear at the doorpost of the Lord's house and ask for the all of commitment to be put through our ear. That's the point of, that's a time of our dedication of our lives to the Lord Jesus and that's the time when we stood there and say, entreat me not to leave thee, nor from following after thee. It's that love. It's the love of commitment to obey that will keep us from trying to do the impossible, which is Matthew 6, 24. Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that's a deception that the devil tries to put over on man. And that deception is, well, yeah, you can obey God and you can also make yourself rich. All you have to do is just submit to the voice of money and it'll tell you what to do to make yourself rich and still love God, go to church, okay, muzzle tough on you. And God says in verse 22 about that, no, it does not work. No man can serve two masters. For either he's gonna hate the one, love the other, he's gonna hold the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, money. And if a person tries to do it, 
says, I think I'll be the first one to get away with it. If he tries to serve God and obey, and yet he tries to serve God, and he wants to follow the voice of money, make himself rich, then he becomes the man described in James 1.8. James 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But to shut the eye to the call of money and put the eye on obeying the Lord is what the Lord's referring to in Matthew 6.22, Matthew 6.22. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. To have an eye to obey only the Lord Jesus is to have a Matthew 6.22 whole body full of light, full of light, not just a little light, full of light. But to have an eye on money, to obey money, is to fall into the Matthew 6.23 category. Matthew 6.23, then I be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. And how great is that darkness? Not just darkness, full of darkness, not just darkness, great darkness because the person's listening to money. When God says in Proverbs 23, 26, Proverbs 23, 26, my son, give me thine heart. That's God saying that. And money says, no, give me thine heart. When God says in Hebrews 13, 5, Hebrews 13, 5, be content with such things as you have. And money says, Don't be content, reach for more and more and more. You're not where you will be. Grasp higher and higher. Sky's the limit for the money you can get. When God says in Mark 10, 19, Mark 10, 19, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, and money says, forget about it. The ends justify the means. If you can get money, get it by any means where you can get away with. When God says in Matthew 19.21, Matthew 19.21, give to the poor, and money says, are you kidding? Keep it all for yourself. Giving to charity is just depleting you. You're just setting yourself backwards. When God says in Philippians 4.6, Philippians 4.6, be careful, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, Money says, be careful for everything. Be anxious for everything. If you don't look out for yourself, no one else is gonna look out for you. When God says in Exodus 28, Exodus 20, verse eight, Exodus 20, verse eight, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, money says, are you kidding me? That day is as good as any other day to make money. Use that day for work. So with all these conflicting calls from the two masters, God and money, it's obvious in um, Matthew 6.24, Matthew 6.24, no man can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Lord goes and comes back to this issue of worry. He says, worry, as he says in verse 25, verse 25, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? So he starts off in verse 25 with the word therefore, which means that what he's been saying now is not a new subject. It's following what he's saying. That means that the voice of money is saying take thought, which means worry about, you know, worry about your life, worry about what you're gonna eat, worry about what you're gonna drink, worry about the clothes you're gonna put on your body. And all those calls to worry are coming from the master money. And then a person says, what if I can't stop worrying about it? What am I supposed to do? 
And the Lord now teaches us what you're supposed to do is to use reason. And I'm gonna teach you how to reason. I'm gonna guide you into the correct lines of reasoning. And the reasoning that he's talking about here is a reasoning that goes like this. God gave me life, and if he gave me life, he didn't give me life to die, and I need meat to live, So, and meat is less than life, so he's gonna give me meat to live. Now that's a reasoning that he's getting to do. There's a reasoning along these lines of, God gave me a body. He didn't give me a body to be exposed. Clothes are less than a body, so God will give me clothes to put on my body. That's reasoning, and this is the reasoning that he's guiding us into. Now, to help us from hanging our heads in worry, which is what we are prone to do, he tells us, look up. He says, look up in Matthew 6, 26, verse 26. Verse 26, he says, behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, neither they gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? So it's interesting that he doesn't say, look at the fowls, look at the birds. He doesn't say that. He says, he calls them the fowls of the air, the fowls of the air. His point is, is that he wants us to look at the fowls, at the birds, when they're flying in the air. The point is, birds are flying in the air, and he says, look at that. And when they fly in the air, they are so separated from the earth. But their food is in the earth. It's not in the skies. But their food is down there, but they're flying up there. You don't see the birds up there saying, what am I doing up here in the air? Why am I flying in the air? I should be down there in the ground. That's where my food is. But the Lord wants us to look at these birds flying through the air and not on the ground worrying about where their food is. The Lord wants us to see the birds and to say, and to see, look, the birds are not saying, we can't be wasting our time flying around in the sky. We need to dig trenches in the earth, in the ground. We need to plant seed. We need to harvest the crops, and we got to put them in barns. And the Lord wants to see, look, the birds are doing none of that. Yet they're well fed. The Lord wants to see that God the Father is giving them food. It reminds me when I... I like to look at pelicans. I think pelicans are so interesting. And pelicans, you know, when they fly over the ocean, they're so interesting. It's very interesting to watch the pelicans because as my son Joseph pointed out to me, he said, look at the head of the pelicans. When the pelicans are flying with their head cocked up and they're looking up, they're on a mission to go somewhere. They can go over some water that's filled with bait food, uh, sardines, they don't care. They're on a mission. But when the pelicans are flying, whether they're alone or in formation, and their heads are tilted a little bit down, they're on the hunt. They're on the hunt. And they will dive into the water and grab a fish. And if that fish is not real close to them, when they put their head in the water, they'll actually open their eyes and look around for where it is. Sometimes it seems like they swim to get the fish. Why, Why do the pelicans do that? Why do the pelicans find fish? Because the Lord... Jesus said that God the Father feeds them. There's another place in the Bible where it says the lions roar to God for their food. There's a God the Father feeds them with the bait. So what are these birds that he's talking about here? They're preachers. The birds are preachers, and they're preachers of trustfulness. They're full of trust. And so they're preachers. And you're never going to see a bird worrying so much about where is my food going to come from? I haven't planted and so forth. Now, So this is the reasoning that the Lord is guiding us into, to think this way, reason this way, be logical. And then he goes on with a question in verse 26, the end of verse 26, he says, are ye not much better than they? And that says, well, I don't know, the birds are pretty magnificent, 
I can't do that, fly through the air and look up. Anyway, so how are we much better than the birds? Well, the Lord has told us in verse 26, he's given us the guidance of how we are much better than the birds when he talks about who's feeding them. And he says in verse 26, your heavenly Father feedeth them. Who's feeding them? Is it just God? No, it's your heavenly Father. Who's feeding them? Is it just the heavenly Father? No, it's your heavenly Father. Who's feeding them? Is it their heavenly Father, the bird's heavenly Father? No, it's not their heavenly Father. It's your heavenly Father. He calls God your heavenly Father, and that's how we are much better than the birds. As it says in Isaiah 63, 63, 16, Isaiah 63, 16, where the believing remnant says, doubtless thou art our father. Though Abraham be ignorant of us and Israel acknowledge us not, thou, O Lord, art our father, our redeemer. Thy name is everlasting. Only man can say this. Only man can say, God is my father. Only man can say, God is my redeemer. Birds can't say that. Birds can't say Isaiah 63, 16. Birds can't say that, Isaiah 63, 16. But doubtless, thou art our father. They can't do that. The Lord did not die for the sins of the birds. The Lord did not redeem the birds. And that makes us better than the birds. Better than the birds. Isaiah 44, 2. Isaiah 44, 2. The Lord said, Thus saith the Lord that made thee, formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Now, the Lord wants to continue to show us um, how much we need God. And now he's doing this in the next verse, in verse 27, with a question, with a question. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? One cubit unto his stature. Okay, what's he talking about? Well, first of all, the Greek term here for stature really means length, which can mean the length of a height, but there's no context here about talking about how tall people are in this. So, Because this word can also mean, like we use it for, the length of days, the length of days. And since the context is really talking about preserving life, you know, being able to have food to eat, to live, and there's nothing about how tall you are, the better translation of this is really the length of days. In other words, how long a person lives. Now, the supplement business, which we're involved in, in the U.S. is $180 billion per year. That's a lot of money. And the pharmaceutical business is a lot more. It's $1.1 trillion per year. And one of the most important underlying bases for these two industries is to extend life. In fact, there's even a supplement business called Life Extension. And this is what the Lord is addressing here. The Lord is saying that the number of our days, it's just as the psalmist said in Psalm 39.4, Psalm 39.4, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether 
vanity, Selah. So this is a prayer to God. This is a prayer to God where the psalmist is saying, make me to know mine end. Now, our natural tendency is not to think about our end. We would like to turn our back on the fact that we're gonna die. We like to think of ourselves living life on the going up side of the Ferris wheel and not on the going down side of the Ferris wheel. And I was talking to my friend John about a friend who is 38, 38 years old, and she's dying of cancer. And we're saying, oh, it's sad. And John says, are you kidding? We're kidding ourselves if we don't think that we're right behind her. Now, Psalm 39.4, the prayer is, make me to know my end. Make me to know my end. It means, make me to appreciate how short my life really is. Make me to not run away from considering I'm gonna die and what's gonna happen to me after I leave this earth. Okay, now, that's all well and good. How do you do that? How do you make yourself appreciate your end? Well, one way is that you can just take a thoughtful walk through a cemetery. And cemeteries are interesting places because when you walk through the cemetery and you look and you maybe see a picture of the person or some phrase or whatever, and you look at the dates and you figure it out, oh. Now, most people live their lives on earth with no end of life in view. You know, it's all run, 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 grasp, grasp, grasp. You know, just grab the next thing. It reminds me of the history of this man who was scaling up the side of a tall building in New York and the crowd's below and they're watching, you know, as he's, he's going from window to window and that window's had a short metal banister there and some uprights and, and he's grabbing from one of those metal uprights and the banister to the other and the people are all, oh, you know. And then suddenly... He fell to his death, and the crowd is in shock and horror, and they're gathered around his lifeless body there on the pavement, and his fist is closed, and in his closed fist holds the secret of why he fell to his death. And so so what happened is is that when they pried open his closed fist, they saw that he was clutching a collection of cobwebs, cobwebs. So he'd come to this window banister and he saw what looked like any other metal piece, metal up right there. But in fact, there was no metal piece there because in its place was cobwebs and the dirt from the city and the dust from the city, the wind had blown in and made it look like there was a metal piece there. And he thought that dirty cobweb was a metal piece strut that was going to support him. So he grabs for it, fully expecting to hold his weight But when the cobweb then crushed in his hand, he was shocked to have discovered that it was just an illusion. There was no metal there. And at that point, he fell, but it was too late for him to reach for another metal. So that's a picture of deception in life. The deceived soul who says, I don't have time for God. I'm climbing higher and higher in life. As I reach for another level, as I reach for another adventure, as I reach for the next throw on the climb, and with each new reach in the climb of life, each new achievement that is gained, he feels confirmed that I have a good life without God. I don't need God. Till finally there's that final reach, that grab in life for what looks like it should be solid, and it's not, and it comes with the fatal letdown. Why? Because life without hope in God is life without the solid anchor 
of the soul, which is described in Hebrews 6.19, Hebrews 6.19, which describes which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast entereth into that within the veil. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore we cannot slip, and it will not break down. Hope in the Lord Jesus Christ will hold, not like that cobweb that looked like it was solid, but it was nothing. So this prayer in Psalm 39.4, Psalm 39.4, make me to know mine end, is a prayer to God, make me ready to die. Make me ready to leave this earth. It's a prayer to make me live life looking forward to eternal life with God in heaven and not looking backward on what I've achieved in life. It's a prayer in life to look through the front windshield of life and don't live looking through the rear view mirror. Because God wants us to consider this issue. This is important. He says he wants us to consider this issue of our end of our life here on earth. And he's yearning when he's talking about his people Israel. He's yearning for Israel that they would do that as we read in Deuteronomy 32.29. Deuteronomy 32.29. And God's yearning heart wells up and he cries out, Oh, Deuteronomy 32.29. Oh, that they were wise. Oh, that they would understand this, that they would consider their latter end. He says that. Oh, that they would consider their latter end. And God is saying, I wish they would stop saying no one knows what happens after life. And God's saying, I know what happens after life on earth. I know it's either heaven or hell. There's nothing in between. And God has said, what happens to a person after he dies is Romans 6.23, Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's either death and an eternity in hell, or it's life and an eternity in heaven. It's either do nothing and don't take the gift and take the wages of sin, which is death and eternity in hell, or take the gift of life, take the gift of the wages of sin being paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ and have eternity in heaven. And he says, the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am in Psalm 39, Psalm 39, 4. So when the Lord Jesus Christ speaks about adding any days in life in Matthew 6, 27, the psalmist in Psalm 39, 4 says, make me to know the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. It's really bringing a person to see that if he lives 38 years, if he lives 48 years, if he lives 58 years, if he lives 68 years, if he lives 78 years, if he lives 88 years, if he lives 98 years, there's really very little differences in those numbers. You can count them. And the psalmist calls it out and he says, it's a hand breath. This is a hand breath right there. You know, you can try this. You stretch your thumb as far as you can from your little finger and pretend your thumb is your birth date and your little finger is your death and ask yourself, can you make it go any farther? And you can't. The psalmist says, my life is but a handbreadth." And he says, at the end of Psalm 39.5, Psalm 39.5, Selah, which means stop and think. Think about that for a while. He says, he's not asking God to make him know the short measure of his days to bring him into depression. You know, the Lord in Matthew 6.27 is not saying you can't change the number of days you have in order to go into depression. The goal of knowing how few our days here on earth is very clearly stated in Psalm 39.4, Psalm 39.4, that I may know how frail I am. The goal 
is to knock the wind out of our sails, which got the label on the sails of who needs God. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 